0: The MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan.
1: What a month it's been for cryptos, or more precisely for banking. The crypto-friendly bank Silvergate collapsed, and that seems to have been a contagion effect from the earlier collapse of FTX in November 2022. With that, cryptos went into freefall. A few days later, we found out that two other banks were closing, Silicon Valley Bank, and that had nothing to do with cryptos, and Signature. No fewer than three banks failed in one week. And now we hear of liquidity problems at Credit Suisse. As a result of this, Bitcoin shot up, breaking its 200-day moving average, which is read by many as a bullish sign. Gold, too, broke above $1,900 an ounce. With gold and Bitcoin on a tear, banking shares around the world were dumped. What's going on here? It seems that Bitcoin and gold are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, act as a store of value and as a hedge against risk. So there's a lot going on in the world of cryptos. We're joined by Omar Iqbal, no stranger to the Money With Crypto podcast. He is the CEO of Five West to get a better understanding of the events of the last few weeks. Hi, Omar. Were you surprised at the behavior of Bitcoin and gold through the turbulence of the last two weeks or are they performing exactly as they're supposed to?
0: All right, Kieran, good to be on again. Um, yeah, these recent weeks have been quite turbulent in the market. But to answer your question, I suppose supposed to is quite a loaded term, but I suppose they've been performing roughly as expected in a highly inflationary environment. Um, Additionally, I'd like to say that Bitcoin saw some temporary inflows during the USDC crisis as those with large USDC as well as DAI reserve reduced their risks by selling off into the most liquid market pairs, which was Bitcoin and USDT at the time. Um, Most exchanges also halted USDC withdrawals and deposits, which was um, quite, we're not quite used to that um, because USDC for a while was quite a stable, stable coin. Um. So seeing that, I think only the people could really offer it into Bitcoin and USDT. But yeah, weathering of the crisis now seems to have sparked a somewhat bullish sentiment. As you've seen, Bitcoin's been flying, crypto's been flying, and even gold is just, yeah, it's been phenomenal. And I didn't expect it, to be honest, but I think the bullish sentiment has returned after the banking crisis and now more recently the USDC crisis.
1: Yeah, okay, so when we're talking about USDC, we're talking about the dollar-backed stablecoin and that de-pegged from the dollar. I think at one point it went down to about 80 US cents to the dollar and a lot of people were trading that. People were just dumping it because they feared that this is a repeat of Terra Luna, which was the algorithmic stablecoin that collapsed last year and they thought, "Oh, here we go again." But of course it wasn't. It was an opportunity for people to pick up to to buy dollars for 80 cents in the dollar, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of people are wanting to do that. And during that time, a lot of clients also emailed us and messaged us um, to be able to sell all their USDC holdings. And um, yeah, people would really just 80 cents. I think it was even lower on some exchanges. Um, so so yeah, unusual behavior for USDC. But a lot of people actually ended up buying cheap US dollars, like you said, and I think that's what really sparked the Bitcoin bullish sentiment all of a sudden, because a lot of people were now moving into Bitcoin as well. Um, so I think it was, yeah, good for the Bitcoin market, but not really for the people who sold USDC at 80 cents, because I can see that the pegs restored now. So, yeah, bad luck in about a week.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much over the weekend, and that's, of course, when banks are closed. So you, you had this this depegging where the USDC went under $0.80, cents, and then it had recovered the peg, I think, by about Monday morning. So that crisis was averted.
0: It's the retail market, and when news like this breaks, the retail market is the first to react to it. And over the weekend, you didn't find institutions selling off because they were mostly closed. They were probably keeping an eye on it, but it was all the retail clients that sparked fear. And that's what happens when fear comes, people do. Uh, I think it was a foolish move, to be very honest. I was advising, or not advising, but kind of just telling clients that I think it's just the retail market selling off. They should hold their USDC reserves because it wasn't such massive news um that caused it. So it was just retail reacting, and that's what really caused it. So So, yeah, like I said, it's quite unlucky for those who sold. But um, it was also a good thing for USDC, though, because we've seen a lot of um, faith being restored in USDT now. It was selling for as high as 1.03, um, which is also crazy for a stable coin, if you if you, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, you, you made an automatic 3% there um, just by holding that, <laughs> yeah. that coin and selling it at one oh three. Okay, let's talk about the... the
0: South African ARB.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the uh, with the arbitrage, uh, the crypto arbitrage in a minute, but I just want to talk about the banking failures. What's your reading of this? What's going on? Three banking failures in a week and then Credit Suisse has had to borrow, I think it's 50 billion Swiss francs from the Swiss National Bank. Uh, something is afoot here in the, in the banking sector. What's your reading of this?
0: Yeah, look, one must remember that there isn't any particular reason why banks shouldn't fail. We've seen it in the past and now I think we're seeing it again. Even the most prudent financial institutions can't really weather every single storm. And banks are designed with risk measures in mind, such as value at risk um, and tail events, especially those will lead to to failures. Silicon Valley Bank uh, was a lender primarily focused on tech startups. This means that they were pretty much more exposed to the effects of the business cycle, Than most other financial institutions. So as soon as interest rates rise and capital becomes more expensive, equity financing from VCs dries up. So in my opinion, wasn't a real surprise because of the the nature of business they were in. Um, But this actually led on to the withdrawals of capital from SBB as startups burned through their funds. So a high number of withdrawals caused the banks to encourage huge mark-to-market losses on the bond investments due to the interest rates exposure. So, again, we kind of saw this coming for a while because of, again, the nature of business that they were in. And most of these losses were made known. And after further funding was sought, a bank run ensued and caused further losses as bonds were rapidly sold off, leading to the bank's collapse. So... If you think about it, similar scenarios unfolded at other banks. The case with, um, I suppose, Silvergate Bank is somewhat unique, though. It seems to like have mostly weathered the storm, but the regulator stepped in to put the bank in receivership, anyways, apparently to send a strong anti crypto message. Um, Silvergate, as we most, uh, sorry, Signature, as we most know, um, was a crypto friendly bank. And I think what the regulators did there was they stepped in, sent a massive anti-crypto message, and that's essentially what caused that bank to collapse overnight. Um, they were involved in the FTX saga. They were also involved in um, shutting down third-party payments to Circle, etc., um, which was all forced by the regulators overnight. So by doing that, I think that's what caused them to collapse. But yeah, it's been, it's been a really weird time but then again banks have collapsed in in the past and and it's not unusual to see banks collapse but i think the way it happened was the more unusual factor
1: well if the intention was to send an anti crypto message um i can't think of a, you know a, a better own goal than what we've seen in the last week bitcoin is up 20% that's why i say you know is bitcoin doing exactly what it's supposed to and it seems like it is
0: yeah, I think it is. But then again, I didn't think it would be that bullish all of a sudden. But yeah, I think you read it right. If It is a big own gold that they've scored against themselves, I think at the end of the day. But I still do think that more banks are going to start getting in, involved in crypto. Um, but I think Signature was heavily involved in crypto. So that's what they wanted to stop. But it's also given opportunity to other banks who now want to start venturing into the crypto sector because they see a lot of um growth in this industry so by stopping it completely it doesn't make sense um to me in 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 general i just don't think stopping crypto in general is ever going to work because at the end of the day people are going to find means and ways to buy more crypto and to liquidate their crypto so as long as the banks are involved it it actually caters for aml processes kyc processes so we essentially know exactly who's buying and who's selling so by doing this it actually just sparks the the uh, the the third party ways of trading or the black market ways of trading if I may say.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, yesterday at the Blockchain Africa conference uh, there was a presentation by Zappo Bank which is a Bitcoin bank. And yes. uh, you know we've had Seamus Rocker from Zappo Bank on the podcast before but it's a fascinating business model because they are collateralized over collateralized entirely with Bitcoin, and you can convert from uh, from Bitcoin into US dollars and back again as you want. And this is um, an interesting model or an interesting template for banks going forward. You know, you're going to have to look at blockchain, and you're going to have to look at accommodating cryptos in some way and converting between one and the other.
0: Yeah, look, I think it's a very interesting model, and a lot of different people have tried this as well, um, but it hasn't worked in the past. So I think good luck to them. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. But more importantly, this has been done on a lot of Bitcoin cards um, where you get an app, you load, they give you a credit card, usually linked to, I think it's Visa. Um, and then you can swap between Bitcoin and USD and then make payments, et cetera. Or you can hold Bitcoin in their wallets and they give you a 30% loan in US dollars to use against that Bitcoin that you're holding. Um, so it's a very interesting model. And I think a lot of African startups are also trying to do this. Because um a card from Ghana doesn't work in Nigeria, and vice versa i've actually I was reading something earlier. don't know how true it is because I haven't got my own card from Ghana or Nigeria, but apparently, the cards don't work in in the other country or you can't swipe in the local currency, so I think it's a very good way to give someone u s dollar amounts in their wallets and then or in their bank accounts, and then they can go swipe in any country that they want.
1: Okay, we touched on the crypto arbitrage a little bit earlier. Okay, so for people who don't know, crypto arbitrage is where you are buying cryptos abroad and you're selling them in South Africa for a profit. It used to be that you would buy Bitcoin. Now, if you go back to 2017, Bitcoin would sell in South Africa for... You know, maybe 4 3%, 5%, sometimes even 20% more than it would overseas. So there was a very nice profit that could be made in a few hours on a Bitcoin arbitrage trade. As more and more people got into crypto arbitrage, that profit or that premium, the ARB you call it, is uh, that went down to, you know, as low as half a percent at times and even zero negative. However, with this banking crisis, it seems that the crypto arbitrage market bounced back and that's really because of the withdrawal of Silvergate as a banking partner in the United States. A lot of the crypto providers were using Silvergate as their banking partner. And the reason they were doing that is because they were arbitraging USDC and the issue of USDC is Circle. And Circle, from my understanding, was insisting that their, their partners use Silvergate. Now... Five West is involved in crypto arbitrage. I know it's not a major part of your business. Have you been able to find a workaround following the closure of Silvergate? In other words, are you still offering crypto arbitrage as a service?
0: Yeah, we definitely are offering that as a service. Um, And we've tried to find alternatives um, then to use third parties. So I think that's the most important take after the FTX closure and circle halting third party deposits. Um, I think that's the biggest take from this is or the biggest lesson learned is to actually custody your your funds yourself. Um, So as a FSP, you are allowed to take long and short term deposits. Um, So the way we are trying to structure this is to actually send money offshore um, using the client's SDAs and FIAs and have the money settled directly into a bank account that is owned and controlled by Five West itself.
1: Just to, to be clear, an SDA is the single discretionary allowance and the, uh, that's a, a million rand that you, you're allowed to export to every year without any approvals. And the FIA is the foreign investment allowance, which is 10 million a year for which you need reserve bank approvals, right?
0: Correct, yeah. So as I was saying, we are trying to custody the client's funds ourselves. So we are currently in the process of testing it. So we've sent out quite a number of clients just to test the process and make sure that it works smoothly, just to ensure that the client funds always stay with us. They always get the deposits back from us into their local RAND accounts, and they're always sending money to an account that is controlled by 5West itself. Um, we can 't really afford to take risks with client money, and I think when we had a chat to our clients we've been, we 've been we've been in close communication with them they preferred us having full custody of their money because of the trust we've built up in the market over the years um, so that 's our own model now is we 're trying to custody the funds ourselves, um, which will allow us essentially to be able to provide a very seamless process to clients also it gives us full control of client money and gives them full control of who they're sending their money to. Um, Sending it to third parties, as we've seen with FTX and even Circle, um, it just wasn't working out at the end of the day because your money was in the hands of a third party. So this actually creates a little bit uh, more trust in the client's mind and also a little bit more reliability in terms of where the money is going and, and what the processes will be. So yeah, we are offering it and we are about to open Uh, the ARB services back to every single client that 5West had. So we're quite excited about that. And I think we finished testing today and the results were great. Um, So, yeah, uh, we're quite excited for the near future, to be honest.
1: Okay. I I mean, I guess there would be fairly high interest or high demand because the the crypto arbitrage profit, you know, I saw it was looking at it yesterday. It is bouncing around a bit, but it was like 2.2% and I think it's now 1.4%. But it's certainly higher than it was a couple of weeks ago, right?
0: Look, it was, it's a lot higher because of the demand and supply, right? Not many people are now allowed to or they can't do arbitrage. So uh, the rates have just been phenomenal. I think they were as high as 2.6% um, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I think today it's a bit lower. Um, but, but yeah, it's been been—it's been great returns uh, back to – or not great compared to what we were used to, but fairly decent returns compared to what we've been experiencing at uh, the start of this year and maybe the end of last year. Um, So I do expect with not, because there were so many people doing arbitrage every single day. So with not many options left in the market, I think the crypto premiums are here to stay. And the people who are getting it done now will experience quite high returns until people start figuring out how to do it or companies start figuring out how to do it themselves again and then it'll start being squashed again.
1: Okay, let's talk about altcoins because Bitcoin up 20% just in the last week or so. Altcoins also shooting up. Um, Here's a question for you. Is the crypto winter behind us? (laughs)
0: perhaps it is (laughs) it seems that almost everything that could go wrong has already gone wrong at this point right so shaking out a lot of bad actors out of the ecosystem we've already spoken about a few that have been shaken out um but the macroeconomic conditions are continuing to worsen which is very important because an inflationary environment could be a positive for bitcoin inflows as well as altcoin and so the market's got um the sensitivity in the market um to negative news um, shows that the sentiment is actually shifting. So bringing in some positive, uh, bullish um, sentiment into the markets, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in the past. You know, when when Bitcoin gets hammered with, with all kinds of bad news, you know, banned in countries like china and egypt not not entirely banned but they certainly what they do is they they cut the umbilical cord between the bitcoin miners and the financial institutions and and after a while it has no effect and it seems that you know the the first bit of good news and, and these cryptos shoot up but I want to talk about the the u s regulators they 've been putting out statements to calm banking customers down, so i 'm returning to this banking theme again. There seems to be a real sense that something bigger is afoot in the banking space after all, three failures in a week um, you can 't exactly say there 's nothing to see here. move along, everything is safe I mean all these these very reassuring things that are coming out of central banks. And I look at the Bitcoin price and I see the answer to that. And the answer is, we don't believe you. What do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately a bank run always has and still can fill any bank, especially when the bank has bonds and other assets which are currently underwater. Um, the banks are as strong as long as a person believes them to be. And bank run represents prisoners' dilemmas to their depositors. Um, so the panic and ensuing bank runs are self-fulfilling prophecies, in my opinion, um, hence the urge for calm and the FDRC making the unprecedented move of protecting all deposits and SVB. So these are the kind of steps that they've been taking, which, in my opinion, are just self-fulfilling prophecies, like I said. So I don't think anything particularly grand is at foot, merely a reminder of the ever-present fragile system that we're currently working in.
1: Yeah, at the Blockchain Africa conference yesterday. There was a discussion about stablecoins. Quite fascinating because stablecoins is really the big growth in in the crypto space. Tether and USDC being the two biggest stablecoins, and they're supposed to be pegged. Uh, you discussed this earlier. One to the dollar, but you had periods there where Tether was at one one dollar and three cents. So you know, if you were holding a Tether, you were actually <laughs> you actually had more than a dollar. And the, the question came up, you know, what is the future of stable coins? Because they, they really are unregulated. It's not really a dollar. It's a facsimile of a dollar. It's a um, make-believe, if you like. But the growth is huge. And, and uh, you've done quite a bit of work around stable coins in Africa. Maybe just talk about that and how you see the future.
0: Yeah, nothing particularly surprising there, in my opinion. Um, when news filters out that some other stablecoin is going, and the most liquid market was USDT at that point, um, it wasn't surprising to see that the that the, that the the rate was a lot higher than what it was meant to be. Um, there have also been rumors saying that. There have been a lot of rumors that Tether is not perfectly capitalized or does not hold enough cash equivalents. But the market has not seemed to really price that in because the general sentiment in the market is that USDT is solid. Um, if you take Asia, um, Africa and Europe, for example, um, USDT is their main form of trade at, the, at this current point in time, because especially in Africa, there's not enough US dollars. Um, so people believe a lot in USDT um, and they've been trading that. Even when USDT, uh, I think it was last year sometime when it was when that dropped to about 80 cents, 75 cents. Um, I think that was um, during the whole lunar terror crisis. Um, still, there was the general sentiment was that USDT is solid. Um So when users wanted to exit USDC, they did so mostly by purchasing USDT. As I said before, it was the most liquid market that they could find. And users who were already in a stablecoin didn't necessarily want to take up that price risk of Bitcoin or any other investment-grade crypto. So the fact that the price went up to 1.03 shows that users are willing to pay a premium to de-risk at that time. So, again, like I said, it was over the weekend. The retail market was completely panicking. So, they were willing to pay 1.03 because the general sentiment is that USDT is quite a strong um, stablecoin. But also, this could also be that there was a lack of feasible alternatives. Um, Because I don't know if you know, but DAI also depegged. it was completely tracking the USDC price. uh, Because the feature that they introduced in 2021, ironically, was named the price stability module. Um, that essentially allowed um, DAI USD swaps at one to one, which is why they were completely tracking it. Um, and then BUSD is another stable coin that is also being treated, uh, traded quite cautiously due to the pending discontinuation. Um, so at the end of the day, I think the most stable coin, ironically, is USDT at this current point in time. Um, and, yeah, look, the sentiment is, is good around it, um, especially in Africa and Asia where it's being used heavily for, for trade purposes, etc. Um, so, yeah, I think the stablecoin has a long way to go. I think the growth is going to be massive in the in the near future, especially with the banks falling like the way they are, like you said, three in one week. Why wouldn't people just want to hold their money in stablecoins? Because it just allows them to to be in control of their own money and not let a bank be in control of the money.
1: Yeah, you mentioned BUSD, that's uh, Binance's um, stablecoin. So there are questions about whether that is going to continue or not, which of course takes a huge amount of uh, liquidity out of the market, which will probably then get spread around the other stablecoins. Is that what you see happening?
0: Um, Look, firstly, I don't think BUSD is going to be discontinued, um, or I hope not, because Binance has built a brilliant ecosystem around it. Um, But if it is, I think mostly it will be divided up between USDC and USDT. I think USDC USDC is still a strong contender. Um, The peg is restored its back trading at one-to-one. Um, a lot of trading partners that we work with or know halted it in the beginning when that whole saga was happening last week, but they've all continued it again. So at the end of the day, I think USDC is a strong contender too in the markets. So if USD is to go down, I think it will be divided up mostly in those two, and maybe a little bit in DAI because they allow the, the swap between DAI and USDC at one-to-one.
1: Okay, so when we spoke a couple of months ago, you made the point that we shouldn't get hung up about cryptos as a speculative assets. And you said we should rather focus on the technology and what it can do. Now, you've been busy developing a payments gateway built on the blockchain. You also offer treasury services to companies using stable coins in a very interesting way. So if you're a company operating in Malawi, you can, um, rather than hold the Malawian kwacha, you can convert that into a U.S. dollar backed stable coin you're not taking the money out of the country, but you're just de-risking it from from a currency depreciation point of view. Now, tell us about the uh, the developments on that side and the payments gateway.
0: Yeah, look, I'll talk about them separately. So the Treasury management, like you said, is, is spot on. It's just to hedge yourself against local currency movements, um, because we all know in Africa... It can be quite significant. Um, So it's just for corporates to be able to hedge themselves in US dollars rather than the local currency and essentially have a good grip of their balance sheet at the end of the day. But yeah, more excitingly, I think the Crypto Payments Gateway is something that I've been working closely with the team on. Um, Essentially, what it does is a lot of merchants in South Africa needed a new payment method um so instant EFT, credit cards etc uh, they're a thing in the past i know it's been used a lot but a lot of people in south africa and africa in general are actually holding a lot of cryptos um and they need to be able to spend it um locally otherwise they just it's just sitting in their wallets um doing nothing so at the end of the day i think the most important thing that we developed there was that it gives the ability for retail customers to be able to spend their crypto and merchants to be able to receive rand Um, In this case, because everything that happens is if, let's say, you go on to take a lot and you want to buy something for a thousand rand, it will show you a Bitcoin value that the retail client needs to pay. But at the end of the day, we hedge it out and pay the merchant out in rands itself. So the merchant never holds crypto. They're getting paid um, the exact amount of value they would have been receiving, or if not more, because the fees are a lot lower than credit card and instant TFT. So they're receiving that thousand Rand in this case, um, and they're completely hedged. So that's very exciting. We've been in talks with quite a few companies who want to be able to, or merchants um, who want to be able to offer that. So it's quite exciting times. And then we want to try to take this product international. There are only a few number of mer- of players in that market. So I think it's very exciting times ahead. And at the end of the day, I think the most important for any merchant is that everything's hedged out and they're receiving the exact amount of fiat that they would have using any other um, payment method. So, yeah, those are the developments that we've been working on. Um, And, yeah, hopefully soon you can see 5West launching their crypto payment gateway in South Africa on a few merchants' websites.
1: Okay, well, we look forward to getting an update on that when that does happen. But uh, we're going to leave it there. Omar Iqbal, CEO of 5 West. thanks so much for joining us on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast.
0: Thanks, Kieran. Lovely to be back again. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.